If you're listening to this, you must be in dire need of a change. Same thing happened to me long ago. I lost sight of what mattered the most in podcasting. Real connections with other people. So I dropped everything and moved to the cast where I truly belonged. Wait, Blake, this is you know you're not here permanent. It's you're fun just like fiction! Welcome to Fun Fiction, ladies and gentlemen, the weekly show about movies, media, and how the internet ruins it. I am your host, Scotty Moore, joined this week by a man... I- I'm really happy we got you on a podcast, because I don't think people really hear you a lot. Oh, thanks, buddy. I'm just really happy that I can get my voice heard. <laughs> yeah, you're not on any podcast at all. It's the good buddy... And the joke is because he also is on a load of BS and Fight Boys. It's Blake Tanner. I'm pretty sure that most people that listen to this one wouldn't know that, so... Yeah. They're like, wait, they do other podcasts? I don't want li- I don't want to listen to Or them. it's going to be, hmm, I should give this a listen. Hmm, no, I shouldn't have listened to that. Especially BS, because we're in a real weird period right now where they're like, oh, I really liked that episode. I can't wait to hear what they show until next week. Wait, what the f- why is it now a horror podcast? Yeah, we're in a bit of a transitional period there, you know. (laughs) If it were a Facebook relationship, it would read a load of BS. It's complicated. It's complicated. Um, so we're talking about Stardew Valley this week. A video game that you love so much that I'm fairly sure- That I held you you down and forced you to do this episode on Stardew Valley. Well, I, I was going to say, a, a show, a, a, a video game you love so much that I'm fairly sure you play it on a regular basis when we record Fight Boys. <laughs> <laughs> only, when I'm, only when I'm not talking. Yeah, but what I did love is uh, we also, you talked about this on our BS show and tell episode is one of the things that you really enjoy. Yes. And so that scared me because I was like, "Oh no, we've already talked about this. We've we we've blown our proverbial Stardew Valley load. Is there anything more? Is there anything more we could delve into?" And I expressed this concern to you, and your reply was just, "Don't worry, buddy. I got new glasses. It should be fine." <laughs> I did get new glasses. They're and I don't I don't know how this these new Link from Rhett and Link glasses are gonna help us, but maybe it'll carry us through this episode. It's because it allows me to see even clearer now, and I can see all of the things that I didn't talk about on our Stardew Valley um, snippet on a load of BS. Man, but what if it's made you see clearer and it made you realize you don't like Stardew Valley? You put them on and you're like, wait, I don't enjoy this. Do you think this is some kind of fucking joke? (laughs) <laughs> do you think this do you think this is a fucking game i mean it is a game it's stardew valley but do you think this is a fucking game this is, this is not a fucking game to me this is my heart <laughs> and it's so, apparently the hearts of many others as it originally didn't seem that deep but the well of stardew valley fan fiction is deep and wide Yeah, well, see, here's the thing with me. It's almost like trying to come up with a story based off, like, Minecraft until I realize, like, oh, wait, everyone's done that. We'll be fine. And with Stardew Valley, at least there's actual characters. 
So for those of you out there who have not played Stardew Valley, Blake, would you like to explain what the valley is? Yeah, it's um, kind of an open-ended life simulator RPG. Um, They call it a country life RPG on the wiki, actually. Um, That's awesome. And it's a game kind of in the vein of the old Harvest Moon series, where you own a farm... Um, you take care of that farm however you want. You can plant crops. You can um, farm animals. Um, you can just go to the mines and mine for hours. And it's all interspliced with a relationship system where you get to know the people of the town that you've just moved into. Um, you kind of develop relationships with them. You understand and figure out how they relate to each other, the other people in the town. Yeah. Um, you can get married, you can have kids, you complete quests, and it's just this all-encompassing RPG that's two-dimensional, and it's lovely. Yeah, and you were talking about the relationship system of building relationships with all the townsfolk. I only built relationships with the character that became my wife, Emily, and everyone else has, like, zero hearts towards me. So it's like, Emily loves me, but her friends kind of think I'm an asshole, which is a real reflection of real life now that Uh, I think about it. Yeah, this guy's kind of an asshole. This guy kind of sucks. So, yeah, and then also the story of the game... Is uh, we talked about this on BS, but I guess we can reiterate it. It's kind of like a reflection of real life because you play as this guy who worked or girl, the or Don't girl judge. who worked for the Joja Cola Company. No, it's the Joja Corporation, which encompasses Joja Cola, Joja Mart, and any other Joja subsidiaries, including the Joja Mining Company. Oh, I didn't know about that part. I really stomped on their biz because my character does nothing but mine. Um, now, before we go further, can we just talk about how fun it is just to say, as a simple small town lawyer, Blake Tanner, it's fun talking about Georgia, the peach state. Georgia and their cola. As we know, Georgia. Georgia, sweet Georgia. They love their cola in Georgia. I, that's gotta have been like the first ever Joja Cola commercial. It's like Joja, sweet Joja Cola. It is the flagship product, so I can only assume that that's what they started out with. Now, is it just because I also went down the bad fan fiction well that this that this game provided? But is it is there something shady behind the scenes with Joja Cola? It's kind of like if you were to take. What we're pretty sure that every Monopoly does in the world and just makes it extremely overt and hits you in the face with it, then yeah, they're pretty shitty. Oh man, I was hoping that you'd be like, yes, they also, they farm pugs for fighting competitions. Like, wait, what? They do things like, um, for example, in the game, if you buy a Joja Company membership, then you so defeat Mayor Lewis's, like, will to restore the town's old community center that was once a vibrant hub where everyone in town got together to talk and just chill and have a good time with each other. Yeah. And he sells it to Joja Co. and they turn it into a fucking warehouse. <laughs> That's awesome. So if you... <laughs> you- you can give a character depression in this happy game. Yep. Um, 
And that's kind of how Jojiko is. As a matter yeah. of fact, your character worked for them, you know, before the start or during the start of the game. And it's just a very simple opening cutscene where it just zooms by all of these terrible small cubicles with a bunch of characters just typing into a computer. And it stops at your character's cubicle. And just to the edge of the screen, you see an empty cubicle with a skeleton in it. <laughs> um, and that's some people think that's a joke, but no, that's just the reality. Oh yeah, no, that's just Phil. Yeah, that was Phil, <laughs> and Phil is gone now. But yeah, I I think the thing that drew me most to this game is how buck wild it gets at moments because like. You described, yes, it's like a farming simulator, and you can also go mine, and everyone out there is like, oh yeah, I know games like that, I've heard of stuff like that, but then you go further into, also there's a wizard, and he can cast magic spells, and- And you it's, you rebuild it's parts the, of the town by helping the little green go like globs of sp yeah. forest spirits by rebuilding stuff, by just giving them gifts- yeah, that was going to be my next thing, was just like, and also there's weird forest spirits that you help out, and when you go deep enough into the mines, there's like weird demons that attack you. Yep, and then there's a shadow man that he sells you stuff instead of attacking you. There's a blue man that owns a casino. I don't think I ever met the shadow man. I don't think I got far enough down. No, well, you have to fill up the uh, the museum with enough artifacts. Oh, okay. That was another thing that I, because I was a miner boy, that was one of my favorite things was just, you can, as you mine, you can find different items, and certain ones will be like, this item can serve this purpose, or you can make pickaxes with this one, and then some of them are just like, fuck it, we don't know, give it to the, yeah. give it to the it's museum. Like, just give it to Gunter, just give it to him, he'll tell you what to do Gunter. with it. Gunter! Gunter, I've got some artifacts for you, Gunter. Is that the voice when you made your character at Stardew Valley? Is that his voice? Yes, of course. It's the most obnoxious thing ever. I have three wives. <laughs> that sounds about... Can you marry multiple women? You cannot. No, they do not have that as an option. However, there is one if you are dating every eligible bachelor or bachelorette. Yeah. You can have a special scene that, depending on if you have a certain item in your inventory or not, can go surprisingly well or really bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the cutscenes in this game are also equally insane. I would like to compare them and, like, some of the characters' reactions during cutscenes to anime as fuck. Yes! Anime as all fuck. Including the scene, if I remember correctly, this is how, I don't know if it's how you propose or how you get married. I think it's how you propose. Is you, like, take them out into the moonlight and propose to them. And there's this weird anime-ass scene. That might have been only for my specific quest line, but... Mm -hmm. Well, I do know that if you get to be good enough friends with Emily, there is that one scene where she just dances and you go on a quick little LSD trip. Yes! Oh, I, I went on that quest, because, uh, em for those of you who don't know, Emily is, of course, my Stardew Valley wife, and, yeah, she just kind of danced for me, and I think gave me some hallucinogenic mushrooms, and we had us a grand old time that yep. day. Meanwhile, um, my Stardew Valley wife, uh, Leah, she likes wine and art. 
(laughs) (laughs) We've got two separate wives, man. Separate wives, separate lives. I'm just saying. I helped her put on an art show, and she sold her art for a lot of money, so now we're set for life. Yeah. Now, I will say this this game is a lot like, and I don't want to say a lot like Minecraft, but in in the way that starting out sucks. It don't matter what game, like Minecraft, this game, I'm sure a lot of other ones, starting out sucks. And essentially, it's like, it's like working out. You just put in the reps of building a farm, and then eventually you find the fun. You'll you'll find that that happens with pretty much any game that involves progression. Like, a, this yeah. is a progression-based game. You start out where you are gifted, like, five seeds, and you have to turn those five seeds into a farming conglomerate. Yeah, essentially. I... Just on my most recent playthrough that I've been at for probably most of this month, um, I finally had my first day where I sold a hundred thousand golds worth of product. Yeah. See, uh, I remember Polygon.com video gaming website released a video of the McElroy brothers where the whole time Justin's just like, Griffin, where's the fun? Griffin, show me where the fun is. I haven't found it yet. And it's just Griffin being like, this is my farm. It's really, really nice. And over here's my goat. It's fantastic. And Justin's like, but where's the fun part? See, that's the problem, though, with that video. All the fun has, like, most of the fun has already been had. See, when you start out, because Stardew Valley recently added in multiplayer, now you get to start out at zero together. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty garbo in the beginning. It's really like life. It's like everything sucks in the beginning, then it's really fun when you start building things. Then after afterwards and it just kind of becomes monitoring and keeping things fine, it sucks. Again. The thing is that's a way to play the game, but I feel that that's not taking advantage of all of the features of the game. Oh, I thought you were about to be like, of all of the modifications that the online community has come up with. Now, there's plenty of those, too, which I'm deep into, and I love it. But, um, no, a lot of what you should really... This is just from my personal point of view, but a lot of the fun in the early game is getting to know everyone. Like, working with their schedules... Going down to, like, the store at different times of day, going to the saloon at night, seeing who's around, um, just getting all their different dialogues, because every character has different dialogues for different days, for different seasons, um, you have a lot of exploration options, you can go into the woods foraging, and just, the first, I would say probably the first season... It's going to be hard if all you do is just chill out on your farm and do the farming. On your Garbo farm with five seeds. Yeah, because there's really not much you can do. if. You- yeah, you have to go out. You literally do have to find the fun. It's like real life. You have to go out. You got to make friends. This is a real life simulator, Blake Tanner, 100%. And really, though, part of that fun is figuring out... I mentioned this earlier, but like... How other characters are related to each other, like who who is friends with who, who hangs out with who, and um, kind of what their dynamics are, and um, 
that is honestly where you'll see a lot of the fan fiction covering. Oh, yeah. Well, not only, and then also some weird shit where they're just like, Joe Jacola eats children. What? Yep. Okay. Well, there's a little bit of that, too. One of my favorite, like, cutscenes is, um, one of the characters is shooting a commercial for a competition that Joja has, and one of the lines for the commercial is, Joe Jacola doesn't have as much sorbitol in it anymore, so all that erosion to your stomach lining, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> And then I will also say, going back to it being like a real-life simulator, you gotta... And I feel like since you're, like, the smart one and enjoy this kind of thing, it's not something you had to remember. But for me, I was like, oh, well, I went out into the mines and I'm ten levels down and I don't have any food. You gotta remember to have your food and your liquids, because otherwise you will do what I did roughly 50% of the time I went down into the mines, and that's... Dink, tink, 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 blackout. <laughs> we found you in the mines. <laughs> we charged you $500, and you lost half of your equipment. Ah, uh, okay, do I still have the... Okay, good, I still have this opal to give Emily, it's fine. <laughs> and I will say, we don't mention this enough, because I know how much you utterly despise this one mechanic, which a lot of people share with you, but there is fishing in the game. Fuck. That dumb fishing game, it's the worst. I love fishing so much. Like, in this game, that the entirety of it is just meant to be, like, this nice, relaxing experience where you really do get to sit down and just have a casual, fun time. The fishing game is like, okay, now I want to be stressed again. Now just violently click as this fish runs up and down the screen. Oh, it's an octopus. I'm fucked. Yeah, I also thought, when you said mechanic I, I didn't like, I thought you also meant watering. No, son, that's in. Yeah, no, my boy, I had to, my, if I wasn't so cocksure on getting Emily to marry me, my first thing to get was either a goat, just so I could say my character owned a goat, or a uh, sprinkler. Because, God, that's the worst. Yep. My favorite moments was when I woke up. It was raining. Yep. I was like, oh, yes. Even as someone, like, I don't mind the watering mechanic because I upgrade my watering can as soon as possible. Um, but those rain days are just the best. <laughs> it's so nice. I'm like, yay. I guess another thing we need to bring up is the fact that there are seasons. Yes. And that's the most stressful shit in the world is trying to figure out, like, Oh, wait a minute. I've got all these seeds planted, but none of these are winter seeds. They're all get And literally, it's not like real life where there's like an ease off. It's like the first day yep. of winter. You walk outside and it's all dead. You do know that all of the seeds, like on the seed description, it says it takes this many days to grow. No, no, I know that. And there's so don't be a shit stack and plant your seeds on the 27th day of fall. No, no, no. I'm saying like even then, like say, uh... Say I planted a seed that takes eight days to grow, seven days out, and it's almost fully grown. You will walk out first day of winter and yep. just find, like, hordes of dead turnips looking up at you like, why? Why did you do this to me, Maker? And they're all pointing, saying, you did this. You. You did this to me. Uh, you can also buy hats. <laughs> <laughs> hats. 
<laughs> Blake non sequitur Tanner earning his name this week. Oh, I have a cone hat. It's just okay. a hat that's a cone. It looks like a party hat, but it's not. It's a cone hat. Oh. Well, so that it, it's a fantastic game that everyone need. We also talked about this on BS, but it feels like a seasonal game that like fall to winter you could just deck it out and then yep. for the rest of the year be like okay i'm gonna wait and come back to this oh yeah exactly like as soon as fall started hitting i was like mm, smell that that's stardew valley in the air it tastes like that smell that that sweet jojo <laughs> sweet jojo oh. but you know what else is sweet blake money yes Money from all of our lovely patrons at patreon.com slash a load of BS. That's right. That's where you can go and support fun fiction. It's where you can support a load of BS. And we got awesome perks over there for you. You get access to our exclusive discord where you can hang out. You can chat with us every once in a while. We ask questions so you can give us feedback on the show and how it's going. And you get shouted out on the show of your choice every single week. We've got some lovelies on a load of BS, some fight boys. And then of course, fun fiction has its own fanatic by the name of Joe Gennaro. So if you want to join, join, Joe. Hashtag join Joe. Uh, by loving this show, uh, you can support it at patreon.com slash a load of BS. Now, Blakey T. Yes, buddy. We've, we've talked the game, but now the game is real. And if you die in the game, you die in real life. Which is a good thing you can't really die in Stardew Valley. You only pass out and someone drags your ass home. And it's just like, man, you had a little bit too much last night. But no, this is where we get into, uh, not listener, because no listener submitted Stardew fanfiction, but uh, fanfiction from fans that aren't us. So I'll let you start out, my boy, with whatever you bring into the table. I will start this one out with a little bit of a qualification. Most yeah. Stardew Valley fanfictions that I've seen like I mentioned earlier, really talk about the relationships between characters and just how this is such a nice, humble farming life. Yeah. And then I found this one that is balls to the fucking wall, buck wild. Hell yes, my dude. All right. This is Hide and Seek by Kotsukotsu. Oh, that's actually, yep. yeah, Kotsukotsu from www.fanfiction.net. As all great fanfiction is. Right. Footsteps. Four pursuers to the left. Eight to the right. Two in front. Estimated point of contact, less than two minutes. Two-dimensional exit routes no longer an option. The girl opted for gaining height. Wedging fingers into the smallest of crevices in the brick building and hopping into an open window. Her landing was so soft that not even the chinaware on the kitchen table an arm's reach away clattered. Footsteps as light as a feather. She quickly scaled the staircase to the first floor and pressed her ear to the ground, receiving footsteps, at least temporarily. Enough for her to click open the door and slide the well-placed sewer drain and slip underground. Thirty minutes and backtracking steps later, the girl arrived back at her safe place. Safe place was an overstatement, to say the least. An abandoned shaft in an abandoned construction project, where she had paid off the homeless person residing in said shaft for a temporary loan on the space. 
The room was stripped of any personal effects, only an immaculately clean coffee mug nestled under a floorboard to suggest that anyone was inhabiting the space. Stretching her tense muscles, the girl yawned widely, put, pulling out a tumbler of coffee she'd picked up from her local coffee shop while backtracking steps. She inhaled deeply as the smell of, as the smell of coffee ewafted while being transferred to the tumbler to the cup. There was a chance that her pursuer could track her merely by the scent of the coffee, but that was a risk she was willing to take for the sake of coffee. There were some luxuries in life that couldn't be skimped on, and coffee was one of them. God bless her. <laughs> Taking the first sip of coffee, as always, still too hot, she pulled out the newspaper she'd also picked up during her backtracking. The headline was the same as it had been for the past two weeks. Daughter of Joja Conglomerate still missing. She continued to sip her coffee while reading cons conspiracy theories of her alleged kidnapping and torture, of her elopement with insert famous actor name here, you name it. Most speculation suggested that she'd been kidnapped. She scoffed at the theory, as if anyone could take her out long enough to be kidnapped and not be able to escape whatever restraints they had set up. Of course, the press only knew her as the heir of the Joja conglomerate. They knew nothing of her parents' side project, otherwise known as Project Locker. Recruiting everyone from gamer hackers to well-seasoned assassins, Project Locker was affiliated with the national government and meant to operate as an off-the-books safety net to clean up government problems when the law couldn't do the trick. Over time, however, Project Locker had expanded its function as more than a supplement to the government, conducting business outside of the government's discretion for personal profit. Like cancer, the project had developed faster than government officials could control it. Joja was the perfect front for her parents, the leaders of the operation, to conduct daily business without eliciting suspicion. The girl crushed her smiling picture and tossed the paper to the far corner of the room. Taking the last swig of coffee, she absent-mindedly reached further into the floorboard and pulled out a worn yet unopened letter addressed to her. The unbroken seal of her grandfather's estate stared up at her. She let out a deep sigh. It had been two weeks since she learned of what her parents were really up to, that they weren't good guys that they had claimed to be, but that they had been dishonoring her late grandfather's name and reputation on an international scale. Having been trained by Project Locker's academy, all under the guise of self-defense and survival skill, the girl had no problem escaping the eyes and living literally right under their noses here in Zuzu City at Joja headquarters. But what this was... But was this what her life was resigned to? Constantly running, always looking over her shoulder, never having the proper time to figure out how to change something for the better in the Joja conglomerate. Her eyes returned to the letter. Her grandfather had given her the letter on his deathbed when he asked her parents to clean the floor for him to save some time I'm with his only granddaughter. He had instructed her very firmly to keep the letter safe and hidden from everyone, including and especially her parents, until the moment was right. She had never understood, even remotely, why she had to hide the letter from her own parents until two weeks ago. But now she could see that her grandfather knew a lot more about her parents than she could have imagined. She thought of her grandfather's warm smile, his determination to do right and to take care of those who couldn't take care of themselves. 
She had to do something to bring the Joja name back to something pure and good. Stealing herself, she broke the seal to the letter. There was a thick wad of paper, and on top of the folded papers, a handwritten note. If you're reading this, you must be in dire need of change. The same thing happened to me long ago. I'd lost sight of what mattered most in life. Real connections with other people and nature. So I dropped everything and moved to the place I truly belonged. She opened the wad of papers to see the first page of a map to a remote location off the coast. Stardew Valley? The girl was confused, to say the least. She had known her grandfather owned quite a lot of property, but this name was new to her ears. It must be a place that even her parents didn't know about. A place that she could go to recover and plot exactly how on earth she by herself could take down an entire evil conglomerate. And knowing Grandpa, the farm was totally off the grid and equipped with everything she would need for her mission. It was a no-brainer. Sliding into her makeshift half-camouflage, the girl slipped into a light sleeve, plotting her escape from Zuzu City with the map that she had all but engraved on the back of her eyelids. For the first time in two weeks, she felt hope. <clears throat> the bus rattled, trekking slowly across dirt roads and pebbles. It had been nothing short of manual labor, but she'd been able to pry her bus window open to compensate for the lack of air conditioning. Country bumpkin it may be, but the country bumpkin fresh, crispy spring air was nothing to look down on. She closed her eyes and leaned back into the peeling suede leather chair, breathing deeply only for the bus to hit a pothole and spew dust into the air, consequently into her window, consequently into her lungs. As the dust settled, and she hacked up said lungs, she could just see enough through watery eyes a dilapidated sign out her window. Stardew Valley. Half a mile. Listening to the bust engine gasp for life hadn't helped her nerves as she scanned the empty roads ahead for any sign of enemies in pursuit. She'd been making mental calculations to write in her journal for the last three hours of anything that could be useful if she were on the run through this terrain. The engine started to heave in warning. She guessed it would have about five minutes left of life until it totally crashed. Luckily for the bus, and the driver, she had just spotted a bus, stop, a bus stop about 150 yards ahead. They would make it. Next to the sign, she could see a middle-aged woman waiting patiently. She scanned through the documents that her grandpa had left one more time. He had suggested her to make contact with a man named Lewis, the mayor of Pelican Town, for safe arrival and her point of contact. He was the only one in town who had known the true identity of her grandfather and was a long-time friend. The woman waiting was not in her grandpa's notes, so naturally she was immediately cautious that the woman had infiltrated the town and was holding the other man under duress in exchange for giving him up her location. She shook her head, trying to rid herself of all the logical and illogical hypothetical training she had done at Project Locker. Just talk like a normal human being, she thought to herself bitterly. Right on time, like clockwork, the bus engine came out and completely as they rolled up to the bus stop. The bus driver gave a sigh of relief, just as the engine gave its last sigh before silence. Luckily, the doors were manual, otherwise she would have had to climb out of the window. 
She stepped off the bus with only a small backpack to her name. She tried to look friendly and open, but could only muster slightly standoffish. Luckily, the woman didn't seem to notice. Smiling widely, she exited the bus. Hello, you must be Ami, she said brightly. I'm Robin, the local carpenter. Mayor Lewis sent me here to fetch you and to show you the way to your new home. He's there right now, tidying up things for your arrival. The farm's right over here if you'll follow me. She seemed totally clueless of how Ami was gauging her for signals or weapons as she turned immediately, assuming Ami would follow in her wake. It was only a ten-minute walk from the bus stop to the farm, and Ami kept silent, save for a few words of assent to Robin's monologuing while she mapped the town for future reference. The cottage itself was unassuming from the outside. The land it overlooked was overrun with weeds and logs and large rocks. This is Kelta Farm, Robin said, like she was trying to introduce a new product on TV that she wasn't very good at, but she also knew she needed to be sold well. Sure, it's a bit overgrown, but there's some good soil underneath that mess. You'll have it cleaned up in no time. Before Ami could start to do an overall layout of her home, where it was weak against snipers, whether she can dig an escape route, an older man exited the cottage. Just as Robin had said, there was Mayor Lewis, decidedly older in person than the photo her grandpa had left for her. Ah, the new farmer, he said with an equally bright smile. Their eyes made contact with an unspoken understanding that certain things could not be discussed until Robin had left. Welcome! I'm Lewis, mayor of Pelican Town! He extended a hand, and Ami could feel a small note pass between them. She smiled in acknowledgement and quietly transferred the note to her pocket. You know everyone's been asking about you! Ami raised her eyebrows. Was this a sign that the town had already been compromised? Noticing her change in demeanor, Lewis quickly responded, It's not every day that someone new moves in. It's quite a big deal. She relaxed. He relaxed with her. So you're moving into your grandfather's old cottage. It's a good house, Lewis said meaningfully. Very rustic. The three looked at the outside of the house. Didn't look like much from the outside, but Ami had faith in her grandpa. Rustic. That was one way to put it, Robin laughed. Krusty might be more apt, though. Lewis looked highly affronted at her comment. Rude! Ami smiled to herself. She could immediately see why her grandpa would have taken a liking to the well-ordered, well-mannered Lewis. It's no problem at all, Lewis, Ami reassured him. And Robin. I'm sure I'll be right at home soon. Lewis relaxed a bit. She's just trying to make you dissatisfied so that you buy one of her house upgrades. He shook his head in the slightest no to confirm that a house upgrade would be a bad idea. Ami gave the slightest nod back for confirmation and laughed politely. Anyway, you must be tired for the long journey. You should get some rest. Tomorrow you should explore the town and introduce yourself. The townspeople would appreciate that. There was a slight tone to Lewis's last sentence, making it clear to Ami that not talking to the townspeople would elicit more suspicion than actually introducing herself and getting to know them. It would be an interesting challenge to balance her real purpose to being in Stardew and pose as a fake farmer and get to know the people in town, but it was a challenge she was willing to take. To end. Oh, shit. So, I now have some weird game theories coming out of this, and it's the fact that the fucking mayor 
is just sending off. None of these people got grandpas. None of them do. It's just a bunch of people getting messages from their supposed grandpa, and he's trying to steal people away from the Joja Company. <laughs> and all the all the residents of Stardew Valley are just old Joja employees that he's stealing away. Shit, that's one way to keep your town like populated, isn't it, Lewis? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's dark in this one. Also, I All did right. my best to make the grandpa's note sound like Brian Blessed. Thank you. <laughs> Gordon! If you're reading this, then I'm dead. I'm going to haunt you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> um, so let's get into mine. And mine is, uh, like you said, a lot of them are based off characters from the game. Mm-hmm. This one's based off Haley. And it's called Opening Jars by Genuga? Oh. J-I-N-O-0-U-G-A. So I'm like, Genuga. Real quickly, this is based off of one of Haley's hard events. I can already tell. Okay. Haley didn't particularly care about the new farmer who moved in. As a side effect of having parents who couldn't stay home for more than a month, she tried not to wear her emotions on her sleeve. It helped her feign apathy when people who promised to call never did, when friends became acquaintances until they stopped being even that and turned into strangers she once knew. Her gaggle of friends from high school had whittled down to just one. She and Alex, by some ridiculous stroke of luck, had moved to Pelican Town. He was a good friend and could hold decent conversations despite his obsession with sports. It helped that he was a looker. Haley liked guys with strong jaws, shapely biceps, and great hair. Great hair was a must. The what's-her-name farmer was plain, almost ridiculously so. From her hair color to her way of dress, an average Jane you could find on any street anywhere in the world. A far cry from the old man who passed on seasons ago, retiring painlessly to the other side. Haley had met the kindly grandfather twice, once when her family moved in and second when she bumped into him at Pierre's. He had been charismatic, funny, and smelled of truffle oil and flowers. His granddaughter, though, Haley didn't want to be mean, but God, the woman was dull. Her lack of presence is scary. I could walk into a store and not even see her, she told Alex as they lounged in the summer sun. Haley sighed in contentment. Pelican Town might be an utter bore, but the beach was amazing. Quiet and tranquil, no bawling babies or annoying ruffians trying to hit on her. It almost made up for the lack of a mall. Alex shrugged. She seems pretty cool to me. God, seriously? You bitched about how she smelled like grass last week. That was you, not me. He scratched his chin almost thoughtfully. Maybe you just haven't gotten to know her yet. I'm sure you guys have something in common. Haley shot him a dubious look. Hear me out. You like flowers, right? Yeah, except dandelions. Those are gross. Haley scrunched her nose, playing with the sunglasses in her lap. Why? Does she like flowers, too? What girl doesn't like flowers? She rolled her eyes. Boys. Anyways, when I talked to her the other day, she told me she was growing sunflowers. Since that's one of your favorite things of all time, you guys could talk about it, right? Alex finished, looking absurdly pleased with himself. I can't just go up to her and start talking about sunflowers. She'd think I'm crazy. Or you could wait until she talks to you. Casually bring up the flowers and... He snapped his fingers. The two of you will be talking in no time. Haley considered it for a second. No, she said and went back to soaking up the sun. 
She ignored Alex's whining and relaxed into the beach towel. That sounded like way too much work. Besides, the other woman hardly talked to her after the first meet and greet. The only occasion Haley remembered exchanging words with her was the time they bumped into each other outside the saloon. The woman had given her a horseradish. Haley guessed her reaction of gross did little to endear her to the farmer. Could you blame her? Horseradishes were disgusting. Being stuck in Pelican Town was a frustrating, miserable experience. The first year here had been hell. Thinking back on it, Haley laughed at her younger self, who'd bubbled with excitement about graduating. The moment she received her high school diploma, the shining college life of bar hopping, shopping, and dating she'd envisioned had been destroyed by one sentence. Girls were moving! Surprise! All her previous college choices went from being in the vicinity to only reachable by a six-hour bus ride. Haley considered staying at a dorm, but when she'd heard horror stories of psychotic roommates and haunted rooms, she quickly scrapped the idea. It wasn't like she'd been particularly set on a degree anyways. Maybe if she waited, her parents would find Pelican Town an utter bore and haul ass back to Zuzu City. And then her parents decided to sail around the world, leaving her and Emily to rot in the town they insisted on moving to in the first place. So much for that plan. As far as sisters went, Emily was alright. Outside of being weird, dyeing her hair blue, God, why blue? Haley wouldn't exchange her for anyone else. She knew she wasn't the easiest person to live with either. I mean, Emily hated it when she didn't clear the bathroom drain or left dishes in the sink after eating, but in her defense, Emily drove her up the wall when she blasted hippie music like it was going out of fashion and insisted on adding mushrooms in every conceivable dish she cooked. One person could only eat so much mushrooms before they went mad, stewed, fried, or otherwise. Haley, you didn't clean the cushions again. Who are you, Mom? Haley shot back, rolling her eyes. I already cleaned under the couch. Would it kill you to do the cushions for once? You know how tired I am after night shifts, and I, I still have to make breakfast. I don't see why I have to clean them today. I just did that last week. She grouched, pointing at the underside of the cushion Emily was holding. It doesn't even look dirty. Emily glared. Stop being so childish. I'm the one who does most of the chores. Oh. Haley watched as her sister's stern look faded, replaced by one of embarrassment. She turned to see her least favorite person in all of Pelican Town standing by the door. Great. Now she was going to have to watch two people nagging at her to do a job she obviously didn't want to. She so wasn't in the mood. Haley let her mind drift as the farmer woman and their sister started talking over her. She examined her nails. God, she needed to get them done soon. Haley doesn't want to clean the cushions. It's dirty, and it's really bothering me, Emily said, folding her arms. The farmer swept her bangs to the side, and Haley found herself startled by when chocolate brown eyes bored into her. She quickly looked away and covered her surprise with a muttered, Like I said, I already cleaned them last week. Emily, em Emily waved her off and asked, So what do you think? Haley almost scoffed. Sure, ask a total stranger to butt in on a family problem. It was just a damn cushion. They were arguing like there was gold or a treasure map hidden under the covers. At this point, she was contemplating on throwing them out to stop this stupid conversation. Haley? The farmer finally said after several minutes of silent contemplation. Why not have this be your one weekly job? She smiled. Haley thought her dimples were absurdly adorable. She hadn't noticed them before. I guess I could live with that, Haley conceded. That sounded reasonable, and it gave her an out from cleaning the rest of the house. Then it's settled! Emily clapped her hands gleefully. Get to it, Haley. I'll have breakfast ready as soon as you're done. Scratch that, Emily was a terrible sister. Haley groaned and swept the cushions into her arms, ignoring the amused grins directed at her and trudged to the closet.
The remaining days of summer dwindled until there were only three left. Haley had a counter in her room. It was hard not to when it was the only season she looked forward to every year. The beginning of fall always saw her mourning the absence of sunlight, caressing her sin, tanning on the beach, peals of thunder and lightning splitting the sky in a spectacular burst of light. Haley didn't know why her feet carried her there. It was 12 in the afternoon, a prime time for lounging at the beach and sipping at her imported coconut juice. But here she was, standing awkwardly in front of the withered house where the woman who helped her helped open her jar of pickles lived. She blamed Alex for his incessant talks of flowers and budding friendships. Is that you, Haley? She jumped when someone tapped her shoulder. She whirled around with a glare, feeling a brief spark of annoyance when the farmer gr- quirked a grin at her reaction. Sorry, the other woman said, sounding anything but. So what can I do for you? Do you have another jar that needs opening? Haley shook her head. I wish, but no. The next batch of pickles wouldn't be here till next month. Her remaining half a jar would tide her over till then. I'm, uh, I, uh, I came to visit. You sure? You seem unconvinced. I came to see the flowers, Haley said more firmly. Alex told me you were growing a bunch and I wanted to see them. The farmer perked up, nodding in what Haley guessed was excitement. Oh, right. He told me you love sunflowers, so I haven't sold those yet. Here, I'll take you to see them. Haley felt a little flattered. Only a little. She made a mental note to thank Alex and smack his head for telling the farmer as they walked down the wooden path to the most glorious patch of flowers Haley had ever laid eyes on. The summer spangles and poppies were practically smothered by sunflowers. The multitude of brightly colored heads looked like blots of paint on a sun-colored canvas. Haley found herself stepping forward with agonizing slowness before a hand reached out to caress the petal of her favorite flower. Beautiful, isn't it? There was a proud inflection in the farmer's words. Haley thought it was warranted. She suddenly wished she had a camera to permanently remind her of the beauty that seeds, dirt, and water could create. It's amazing, Haley said, all filling her voice to the brim. The woman fell in step beside her. Haley felt her thoughtful gaze pinning her where she stood. Would you like to take one? Please? The word left Haley breathless, and she blushed at how husky her voice sounded. God, she was being offered a flower, not a million dollars. If it's all right with you, I mean. I wouldn't be offering if I wasn't, the farmer laughed. Wait here, I'll get my cutters. The sunlight felt warmer than usual. Birds chirped and the water in the nearby pond sounded almost hypnotic as it thudded against the walls around it. Haley caught herself staring at the house the woman had disappeared into and wondered why her face burned. The end. Oh, that's so sweet. And that's, yep, that's a lot of Haley's uh, real life uh, or real developments in the game. As you get to know her, she's pretty cool. Yeah. I didn't care. That I, I like your sister more. I will say, um, one of my, like, I had a few ideas uh, floating around for my writing or for the topic of mine, and one of them did revolve around, um, a farmer giving Haley the wrong gift, um, kind of like you do in the game, where if you're holding something and you try to talk to someone, you give it to them as a gift. Oh, that's right. Um, these are some these are some good fix we picked. Right, my boy. It's shocking. It's very how this show. Yeah. How the show evolved from bad fan fiction to, well, there's some good yeah. shit out there. It's also terrifying, because now I have to read the shit that I wrote. 
that's fine. But before you do that, I mean, Blake, you're talking about reading things that people have written. And I just, I wish there was a way that I could listen to like a long thing someone had written, like a, a is it a book? What's it called? A book. A book. I just wish there was somewhere where people read books and that you could just listen to. Oh, wait, what's this? Oh, it's coming in on my, my tractor. It's it's a big sign, and it says audible.com. Oh, I thought That's, it was pronounced Audi Bell. It's audibell.com, the website that gives you access to hundreds of thousands of audio books. Uh, like my books, Quiesel Corp, Quiesel Corp Risen, BS versus the Gods. It's a book with me and Blake in it. How could you say no to that? And they can all be found at Audible. Make sure to go to audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork. Get you a free 30-day trial of Audible, ladies and gentlemen. And you can get access to any of my books, any other books you want to try out. It's free for you. It supports us. It's a win-win at audibletrial.com slash bsnetwork. Work. And Blake Tanner, I hope you better work. Um... Uh, uh, <laughs> Tina, Tina, read your fan fiction. T- t- uh, okay, so do you want me to just? It took me about. I banged this out in about three hours from an idea that I had been working on. Yeah, and I must say, it's my first fan fiction, y'all. Hey, we're popping a cherry this week, baby. Um, so don't expect much. It's fine. All right, let's do it. I call this one Joja Mart Woes. It was a crisp fall morning in Stardew Valley. The sun had just started to peek over the mountains, lighting the valley with a warm amber glow. A flock of ravens cawed and cried as they flew through the forests. Suddenly the woods started to give way to a large piece of farmland, rich with fields of cranberries and pumpkins. An adventurous raven broke from the flock and dove towards a bushel of ripe red cranberries, but just as the bird is about to start eating its fill, a small pebble strikes at its feet. The raven, startled, jumps back and immediately flies away to safety. A figure starts to bound toward Ords the bushel where the bird stood with a loaded slingshot in hand and a jovial golden retriever at his side, ready to scare off any other unwanted intruder that tried to take their cranberries. Better luck next time, you craven little bastard, the farmer shouts. His dog lets out a resounding bark. The dog really isn't sure what his adoptive owner was saying, but he was really excited about it. The farmer's name is Christopher. He moved to Stardew Valley at the beginning of the year to take ownership of the farm that his grandpa used to own. Soon after he moved in, Christopher adopted Sandy, his trusty canine, whom he found wandering through the fields, looking like he hadn't been fed in days. Since then, the two have carved out a pretty good living, with Christopher working the land, growing crops, and Sandy scaring off crows and anything else trying to make a meal out of the farmer's livelihood. Christopher stands up, surveys his fields, and... Confident that he's seen the last of any crows for a while, turns his attention to his big job for the day, the pumpkin harvest. For almost half the season, Christopher had been painstakingly taking care of a vast field of orange blobs in hopes that they'll get him the money to buy a full-sized barn for dairy cows, with maybe a little bit left over for a new sword he's had his eye on for a while. But that would have to wait, Christopher thought. 
For now, he has to put these pumpkins up and get the fields ready for even more pumpkins. Christopher had decided earlier in the week to gamble on getting two full crops of pumpkins out on, in the fields this uh, season. The danger, of course, was that an early winter could crush his crops, but if he timed it just right, the fledgling farmer could get a crop of fresh pumpkins just in time for the Spirits Eve Festival. And Christopher really wanted to give the whole valley some spooky pumpkins to carve. <laughs> it didn't take long for Christopher to cut and haul his pumpkin and hoard all the way to his cart. Even though he'd only been in the valley for a few months, he could feel himself getting stronger with every season. However, as he gazed at his pile of pumpkin-y perfection, Christopher decided, mm, I'll take these into town a little bit later on to sell. He still had to buy seeds, for that matter, and plant his cr next crop of pumpkins as soon as possible. And that meant a trip into town. The sun was perfectly overhead as Christopher and Sandy made their way into Pelican Town. The chilly morning had given way to a perfect fall day. Leaves swirled in the wind, and there wasn't a cloud in the sky. Christopher took a deep breath and smiled. There's nothing like the fresh air in the valley, he thought to himself as he made his way to Pierre's general store. Pierre was a small town businessman through and through. He was always thinking about his store and how to make a profit, but his heart was in the right place. Christopher bought all of his seeds from Pierre, and he sold Pierre all of his produce that he grew on the farm. Pierre, in turn, would send the farmer thoughtful cash rebates from time to time in the mail, and he was never stingy with offering discounts. As a matter of fact, Christopher's only gripe with Pierre was that he was closed on Wednesdays for some strange reason. Christopher always seemed to forget this, and it tended to cause, cause problems when he was making plans. By the way, did I mention that today is Wednesday? Ah, hell. The farmer sighed as he realized his mistake. He slumped against the door of Pierre's store. The sign on the other side read, Closed on Wednesdays. Christopher's whole plan for the fall in one quick moment had been ruined, simply because he forgot to think ahead and get his seeds a day early. Christopher sat glumly and said, Well, what are we going to do now, buddy? He muttered to Sandy. The dog came over to comfort his friend. Hey, Christopher! What's up, farmer guy? A cheerful voice called from down the road. It was Abigail, Pierre's daughter, and the only other person besides Christopher er, that owned an Invento console in uh, Pelican Town. She was flanked by Sam and Sebastian, two lifelong bros that couldn't seem more different. Sam was a wild, blonde-haired skater guy who led the town in community service hours, and Sebastian... A quiet guy with a passion for coding and working on his motorcycle. Hey, Abby, Christopher replied with a glum tone. I was just planning on buying some seeds from your dad, but I forgot that what day it was. Aw, oh, man, that sucks, Sam replied. And maybe you can find him around town and see if he'll open up the shop for you. Oh, I don't think so, Abby quickly responded. He's out of town with my mom today. I don't know when they'll be back. Well, you could always buy seeds from Joja Mart. I mean, they're the same thing, aren't they? Sebastian said. Oh, Sebby, don't let my dad hear you saying that, said Abby. Trust me, you don't want him to lecture you about inferior quality mass-produced Joja products. Or why his seeds are the best in town. And you wouldn't even dream of wanting to get seeds from his competitors, so on and so forth. Sebastian chuckled and said, whatever. 
Just making a suggestion. Well, why don't you just hang out with us, Christopher? We're about to get our band practice on. Abby was just telling me about how you can shred on that little harp of yours. I was thinking we could hook that bad boy up to my amp and just jam for the rest of the day. How about it? Huh? Uh, Christopher replied, as if he was waking up from a quick trance. Uh, from the moment that Sebastian had mentioned Joja Mart, Christopher's mind took him back to a time before he moved to Stardew Valley, when he was a paper pusher for the Joja Corporation. For that brief second, his mind was filled with endless TPS reports that he had to file, mandatory week weekend work days, and that one guy in the office that always wore a big hat and moved his arms like a wacky-waving inflatable tube man when he talked. There's also a skeleton one cubicle at the end of the hall, and Christopher was never sure if it was a gag or if somebody actually just died at their desk and nobody said anything about it. Sorry, Christopher quickly replied. I gotta get these fields planted today. But if I got some time after that, I'll stop by, I'll bring my harp, we can jam, yeah. Hey, no, no problem, Christopher. If I do see my dad, do you want me to tell him that you're looking for him? Abby asked. Actually, you better not. It looks like I'm going to have to go to Jojomart to get these seeds. Uh, with that, Christopher and Sandy started making their way across town to the only other store. As the duo crossed the town bridge that led to the Jojomart, they saw three more figures walking towards them. It was Penny, Vincent, and Jess. Uh, Vincent and Jess are the only two kids in Pelican Town, and they were always the best of friends. Penny is probably the most well-read person in the whole valley, and she tutored the kids during the day. If there was a school in Pelican Town, Penny would hands down be the most passionate teacher they could ever hope for. Uh, Christopher said his hellos, asked how the group was doing today. Penny smiled as the farmer and his dog approached. Hi, Christopher. Have you come to give the kids another demonstration on farming again? Penny laughed. Earlier in the summer, Penny had asked the farmer to talk to the kids about what it's like living on the farm and doing the kind of hard work that farmers do. After Christopher had finished talking, he noticed that Penny was completely wrapped up of, in his stories of life on the farm. He wasn't so sure if the presentation was more for the kids or for her, but Christopher didn't mind either way. Just tell me when you want to hear the art of chasing off crows and I'll be there, Christopher laughed. Sandy! Jas cried out as the retriever bounded across the bridge towards the children. Uh, Jas lived with her Aunt Marnie, who owned the local ranch and Christopher would often bring Sandy along to play with her when he had to buy feed and stocks for his chicken coop. Hey, Mr. Christopher, can Sandy come play with us? Vincent asked as the dog started to lick his face. Now, Vince, I'm sure that Farmer Chris and Sandy look like they're pretty busy today, Penny replied. But I am taking the kids to the playground for a while if you'd like to join us. I'll tell you what, Christopher said. Why don't you three take Sandy to go play with you on the playground? I'll meet you there and collect him up as soon as I finish with some business over at the Joja Mart. Don't worry, Penny, he loves to play with Jass, and he's just a big teddy bear, Christopher reassuringly said. The click kids cried out in glee as they ran off to the playground with Sandy in tow. Thanks for loaning him to us, Chris. We'll keep him safe, Penny said as she went to catch up with the kids. Christopher smiled as he watched them leave. He wasn't sure when it happened, but he had quickly just become a real part of this community and made some good friends. The country might not be for everyone, but it was exactly what Christopher needed. Consumed with thoughts of the past of his last few months in Stardew Valley, Christopher finally made it, it to the most out-of-place building in Pelican Town, 
the Joja Mart, where every other building looked rustic, handcrafted, painted with earthy, natural colors that blended in with the beauty of Stardew Valley. Joja Mart was almost alien. It was stark white and looked like it was cut from the same cookie-cutter linoleum that every other Joja-branded product was made from. The automatic door hissed as Christopher entered the building. He had nothing against Joja Mart itself, but... Being near it always reminded him of the dark times in his life when that he didn't want to think of too much. Jojo was just a reminder of the shell of the life that he left behind. A Jojo Mart itself is built like a maze, filled with shells upon shells of strange food products derived from other foods that create a strange, uncanny valley food, uncanny valley of food. Things like, I can't believe it's not maple syrup. Unripened bread and powdered butter littered Joja Mart shelves. These mad creations of Joja scientists aren't something anyone would want to admit to using in their cooking, but it's just too cheap not to. Christopher easily ignored most of these products as he searched the shelves for the gardening section. All he needed to do was grab some seeds and get out. Then, he happened to spy something strange. Out of the blue, Christopher's eyes caught on a certain cereal box. A box that he hadn't seen in years. A box that honestly looked just as out of place on a Joja Mart shelf as the Joja Mart looked out of place in Stardew Valley. It was a box of Star Drop cereal. It was an old regional cereal that you could only find in Stardew Valley. Grandpa used to bring Christopher back dozens of boxes of this stuff of when he would come and visit from his farm. Without hesitation, and like a madman, Christopher grabbed the box off the shelf like he was saving it from a pack of rabid wolves. It had been over 12 years since he had even seen a box of this delicious cereal. It reminded him of Saturday mornings, watching cartoons, listening to Grandpa's uh, bedtime stories about his life on the farm, and when he would go adventuring in the wilderness. Christopher never thought that he'd see another box like this ever again. It was as if by some sort of magic, Christopher then started to notice foods that he'd always eaten in his city life. It was as if the next few minutes were a blur of a wild shopping fantasy as Christopher grabbed items automatically off the shelves that he remembered. In the end, he had a basket full of goods that he was ready to t- take to the checkout. However, as he was walking to the sterile halls of that Joja Mart, one of those boxes fell from his basket. Is a box of take-home churros, of all things. Christopher picked the box up and examined it. He didn't even remember putting this in the basket. In fact, he hated take-home churros. Some nights, they were just the only thing that he could pop in the microwave after an exhausting day at work when he was too tired to cook anything else. Why did I even put these in here, Christopher thought to himself. Then he started to examine the basket further. He started pulling out all the old items that he would buy on autopilot because he was just too tired to think about anything from a day at work. More memories of his past came flooding back, like the time Christopher had to work a 16-hour workday and got sick from drinking alien energy drinks just to stay awake. Or those last couple of days before payday every now and again when all he could afford to eat were Joja-branded gluten discs. Christopher slowly realized that he didn't like any of these products. 
He was just following his programming to buy them from years of living the same job and life and the same day-to-day grind in the city. Christopher ended up putting everything back on the shelf. He just couldn't stomach looking at it any longer. Until he got to the cereal section. He picked up that box of Stardrop cereal and more memories of his family, mom, dad, grandpa came flooding back. That farmer left Joe Jamart that day with nothing but a box of cereal in his hands, and in the end, he was fine with that. That was until he went across the bridge again and realized that the entire reason he had left the farm was to find some ding-dang pumpkin seeds. Normally, one would be pretty frustrated that they'd completely forgotten um, what they were doing for the whole day, but Christopher just couldn't help but laugh. He realized pretty early on that Sardew Valley has a way of getting one sidetracked. In the end, he wasn't losing money, and he actually had a fun day. He got to spend time with some of his favorite people in town, and there's nothing wrong with that. And he could always buy some different seeds from Pierre's tomorrow. It wasn't the end of the world if he didn't get more pumpkins. In fact, Christopher decided that he was just going to take the rest of the day off from the farm. He was going to go talk to Penny while they watched the kids play with Sandy. Then maybe go and actually have that jam session with Abby, Sebastian, and Sam. Then afterwards, maybe he would go down to the saloon. And yeah, he could talk to Leia about her newest art projects. He could play some pool with Shane and finally get to go home and enjoy a nice bowl of cereal. In the morning, Christopher thought, Hmm, I might go by Grandpa's shrine and give him a big thank you for all this. Christopher smiled as he walked down the road. I'll be the one telling him stories this time. The end. Oh! It's like you had a time machine and listened to the opening conversation we had about Stardew Valley and then turned that into a fan fiction. Well, what came first, the fan fiction or the egg? Exactly. Blake, when I was reading mine, did you just hurriedly write multiple words per minute this long as fan fiction? <laughs> yes. Actually, while you were reading yours, I wrote 2,600 words. Yes, I'm very proud of you. You're very good. Six boy. pages. Yes, and I'd like to thank Mr. Blake A. Tanner for joining me on this week's fun fiction. But, Blake, man, I just. I know I've had Emily on the show, I've had you on the show, but I just feel like I'm I'm missing something. I'm missing someone. And that person is Miss Britta Lauren Clark, and she will be back next week as we revisit one of our favorites, Blake, because we're going back into the adventure zone. Nice. So all you all you fanatics, make sure to tune in to that one coming back next week. It's the return of Brenna. Um, but until then, Blake, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me at Blake A. Tanner on Twitter. You cannot find me um, on fanfiction.net because that was way too stressful. <laughs> <laughs> but Scotty, thank you for having me on the podcast. It was a fun time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. That's right. You can find me on Twitter, Scotty Mo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Buy all my books on Amazon, the Quiesel Corp Trilogy, BS versus the Gods, or pick them up on Audible, audibletrial.com slash BS Network.
work, ladies and gentlemen. Check that out. Check out all the other shows at A Load of Pure BS. And remember to support us either on Patreon, patreon.com slash A Load of BS, or by picking up some fun fiction merch. Uh, since we had to do a little bit of rebranding in these past with the new YouTube channel and everything, uh, there's a new fun fiction shirt with a new fun fiction logo on it. So make sure to go grab that, ladies and gentlemen. Submit your fan fictions to a load of pure BS at gmail.com, and they may be put on the YouTube channel. I may read it out loud. Uh, this is still an experiment, and I still need a lot of shit to read. So, guys, please send shit in. But until next time, Blake, do, do you know the catchphrase? Do you know the one thing everyone out there needs to do? Be sure to drink your Ovaltine. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but you know who never drinks his Ovaltine? It's Baby Hitler. And stay away from Baby Hitler. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>